church on the rock? My name is Rashad. I'm the pastor here at Church on the Rock. It feels good to be back since I went here last week. Uh, we do the good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Rashad. To make sure you're awake, make sure you're engaged to hear a message from God, not me. Uh, but I also like to feed off of your energy. I like to know that um, everything's really pouring into you and doing something, transforming the heart, renewing the mind. So please, when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, you say good morning, Rashad. We want to say it so loud that, that uh, they hear it down the street somewhere. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Oh, yeah, that was it right there. I can go off of that one. So, hey, hey, um, we are on a five-year journey through the book of Romans, the five-year journey through the book of Romans, and um, it's because we just want to take uh, our time to make sure we get the foundation of everything that's in there so that we know at the end of this journey exactly what we believe, so that you know what you believe. Um, we started off with a sermon series called Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself, and we talked about what it means to be a slave of Christ, uh, what the Christ is, uh, it's a title, not Jesus' last name, and also what it means to be an apostle that is sent out, that is called and appointed. And we spent three weeks just going through that introduction. Um, it took us three weeks to go through verse 1 of Romans. And this week, when we're starting this new sermon series, we're still in verse 1 of Romans. So we're getting there, we're getting there, but we're just going to open up um, um, this new series at the end of Romans 1. So I want to read first Romans 1, 1 through 5. This is going to be where we're at for the next four to five weeks, whatever God decides to do with it. So if you want to just read it over and over and over and see what God says to you, because remember, this is the Holy Spirit teaching, not just me. Uh, you don't need me to read the Bible. I have a gift and a calling from God to explain and further exegete the text, but you can read this on your own at home and learn just as much as you can here on a Sunday morning. So Romans 1, Paul a bondservant or slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. So this is the portion of scripture we're going to be in for the next four to five weeks. But today we're going to be at the end of that verse one talking about the gospel of God. Give me that one right there. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. We are literally just going to look at these four words today and it's going to take us an entire uh, what I got, 40 minutes, 40-something minutes to get through this. But I promise you, it's very, it's, it's, it's amazing what God has done with this. So uh, real quick, before we get started, those of you who are like, hey, I know the gospel. I don't need this. I know everything there is to know about the gospel. We call this a living word, right? So God can speak to you, even if you're very familiar with what the gospel is, who God is, God can still speak to you. So just open your heart, open your minds and your ears, and just let him have his way uh, with you. Because I've studied this all week, and I'm, I woke up this morning and still found something new at 4.30. So, so please, just, just be here in the moment. Be here in the moment. So we're going to start off with uh, the name of this series. It is called NEWS, N-E-W-S, and it stands for Necessary Evidence We See. The goal of this series is to give you the details and the tools in regards to what the gospel has to have in it for it to be the gospel of God. What we're going to find today is that there are many gospels and many versions of the gospel that are out there, and there's necessary evidence that we have to see for it to be the gospel. What I'm hoping is now you can go on Facebook and understand when somebody's lying and just saying whatever they want, or you can go on YouTube and these fake preachers are saying whatever they want, or when you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, for whatever reason you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and there's that televangelist telling you to sow a seed of $10 and you're going to get 10000 back. Like, I want to debunk all those things, and I want you to be able to tell for yourself what is the gospel and what is not. I want you to be able to walk in. Say, say you don't stay at Church on the Rock. Like, maybe this isn't the final church you're 
you're at, and you leave in a couple of months, and, and you're looking for new churches. You need to make sure it's a gospel-centered church. But how would you know that if you don't even know what the gospel is, right? So the whole point of this series is to equip you so that you can't be tossed to and fro by any wave of doctrine, any wave of belief. And that's what the goal of this entire series is going to be about. So stick with me. Heavy sermon this morning to open it up because we're giving some background stuff, but I think you will enjoy it. So starting off with the gospel, the gospel itself means good news. Good news. That's it. It means good news. It does not mean good news of Jesus Christ. It does not mean good news of God. It does not mean good news of anything that you automatically say as a Christian. That's what we do in our Christianese. We automatically say, well, the gospel, right? Good news of Christ, right? You just jump to that. But remember, this word uh, uh, for the gospel, give me that uh, screen right there, Brent. This word, euangelion, was just a regular word that was used in regular context, right? So we automatically make it only mean something in regards to Jesus Christ, something in regards to God, but that's not what it was in its original meaning. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of search and see what it meant to those who were receiving this letter from Paul, what that word meant to them, and what would have been the things surrounding their context so that they would have to work through and process what Paul was saying. So the word euangelion is the Greek version of gospel, good news. It's a noun. The gospel is a noun. But euangelizo is the Greek verb of that same word, meaning to announce the good news. So when we tell you to evangelize, we're telling you literally to like gospelize, to share the good news. So you got the noun version, good news, and you got the verb, announce the good news. That verb version is where we get our word evangelize, evangelist, things like that from. If you were here last week when they were preaching on on Ephesians 4.11, It went something like this. John and Jason looked at Ephesians 4.11. It talked about Jesus and said he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. But, I mean, that was for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body. The reason that's important is because of this. If I told you that you were an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher, you're going to be like, nope, that's not my title. I don't even have the personality for that. I'm not called to that. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an evangelist. That ain't me. Mm-mm. I'm just a Christian. I'm just a believer. But what I like about this is that we may not all be called to the title, but we're all called to the task. Okay? You may not be an apostle, but the word apostle, remember, we talked about this, means sent one, right? And if, I, if, I, if I'm correct, the, the great commission, not the great suggestion, but the great commission says, go make disciples, right? Apostle, like go out, you're an apostle, go make disciples. So you may not have the title apostle, but as a believer, you do have the task. And you may not have the title of prophet, right? A prophet, uh, God's prophets were those who foretold and foretold and had to be 100% correct all the time. But when I'm up here preaching, I'm, I'm prophesying. And you're like, well, I thought prophesying was telling the future. Well, no, it's also foretelling, meaning here's what the Bible says, and I'm telling you, I'm foretelling what's in the Bible. That's prophesying. So question, are you called to prophesy? No, yes, you are. You're called to prophesy. No, it's fine. Thank you, because ain't nobody else going to speak up, mama, so don't worry. Look, you, you are called to prophesy. You are called to read the Bible and forth tell. tell. It's not just the fortune cookie, um, eight ball, ooh, wow, you know what I mean? It's not just that of telling the future, but I would even say this. When I tell you every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, I'm telling you something about the future even then, right? And, and what makes God God is that it will hit 100%. So you are told to be foretellers of the good news. Evangelists are proclaimers, announcers of the good news, right? So you're called to do that because that's how you make disciples. You share the gospel. And then pastors or shepherds, uh, this, is a, this is a unique one. So here at Church on a Rock, don't know what background you come from, but we do not believe that the Bible says that there are women 
women pastors, right, with the title pastor. However, are there women who oversee or shepherd like a flock in a sense in our women's ministry? Yes. So this is, this is where like even here, you may not be the title pastor like myself, but you do have the responsibility to shepherd those who God has placed under your care, even if it's your children, right? And this is important because women in the church will come into the church broken, right? Feelings of abandonment from a divorce or loneliness or all these things, and they'll want to meet with the male pastor, all right? And then you go to this public place and you meet and you have a genuine spiritual conversation and it's amazing. But how much further can your male pastor go with you in terms of sympathizing, empathizing, and all that? When they go too far, this is when you see people fail often. So what we do is we raise up women leaders to, to say, hey, you need to go with this lady over here or this lady over there because the, the further care, the further shepherding you need, I cannot get, I have a wife. You know what I mean? Like, it, how many of you are married in here, right? How would you feel if a woman came in here and was like, look, I don't feel like going to women's rest or to women's breakfast. I want to meet with your husband. Y'all be like, uh-uh, right? We'll make y'all think, Brittany, raise your hand real quick. That is my wife right there. I know some of y'all don't know who she is because she quite, that is my beautiful blessing of a wife. But let me tell you this right here, all right? She ain't having it, y'all, all right? <laughs> she, she ain't having I can go so far. And it, it's, it's usually a meeting and a sit-down, and I'm your pastor in general, but then I'm going to push you off to other women. Why? Because that's not my place. Even in the book of Titus, Paul said, older women pour into the younger women for a reason, for a reason. So you got to take advantage of women's ministry stuff. Why? Because that's how you're going to get shepherded or cared for in a more personal way. And then teacher, instructors of God's good news, all of you are to make disciples doing what? Teaching them to obey. So you may not have the title, but you do have the task. Each one of those is found in the Great Commission. And I just wanted to point that out real quick because when I start challenging you as we go on through the series to go do these things, a lot of you going to be like, uh-uh, that ain't my title. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still your task. I mean, it's no different than like if you see a cup on the floor. I'm not calling you out, but if you see a cup on the floor and say Casey left that cup here, you may be like, well, I ain't the cleaning ministry. Pick up the cup. You see what I'm saying? Like, just do the task, right? So I want to make sure we got that understanding as we get ready to go forward. So anyway, um, um, the gospel. The gospel equals good news. That's what it means. It means good news news. And there were other forms of what it meant in its secular text. So we want to make sure we look at that. It also meant in its time frame, in the time period of Roman culture, it also meant a reward for good news. So they would use it in this form. In other words, like this, mama, I got straight A's on my report card. That's good news, right? What you going to give me? You see what I'm saying? Like, like I, got, I got straight A's, mama, I got straight A's on my report card. You see it? No, what, what you going to give me? In other words, I brought good news. I'm expecting a reward for the good news I brought. So that was one way it was used, but it was also used as an offering for good news. And this is how the pagans used it. So the pagans would be like this. They'd say, I'm going to the god of the smoke detector, all right? And, oh, god of smoke detector, I'm making this offering to you. Will you please bless me with good news? Or in other words, I'm trying to earn this good news from this God by giving something to it. Now, this was the pagan way of doing it, but this is the way many Christians do it. I want you to look at this. This is what we do. This is what we do. We come to church when we can't get pregnant. And we say, maybe if I start going to church, God will give me good news and bless my womb. We come to church when we're single. And maybe if I just start going to church, God will bless me and I won't be single no more. My finances are bad. Maybe if I give some to a charity or a good cause, God will bless me with more finances. And this is, this is how we treat the gospel. Like you have to earn something from God or like it's based on what you do for, for God. And, and, and if you do enough, then it'll be, but how's that good news? Because when have you done enough? When have you come to church enough to get your womb blessed? When have you come to church enough to fix your marriage? When have, you, when have you prayed enough and read the Bible enough to be blessed with good news from God? When does it stop? 
And how, so how's that good news? I don't know how often I have to come. Does it matter if I was 15 minutes late? Does it matter if I left early? Does it matter if I was reading the whole time? What if I dozed off? Like, does that mean I got to start all the way over? None of that is good news. Nothing about it. But, but this is how a lot of America sees it. I need, so I'm going to go and do this, expecting him to do something for me. And then when that thing doesn't happen, all of a sudden, it's shake our fist at God. It's I'm upset. This stuff isn't real. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Blah, 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 blah. Insert whatever you have that makes you upset when things don't go your way. This is the way that we kind of see the gospel. So there were other meanings of it in its context. And all this is going to build up to something. So there are also other gospels, other actual good news, other versions of the good news. So back in the Roman time, there was the good news of Augustus. Back then, they had something called the good news of Augustus. Now, Augustus, is anybody familiar with Julius Caesar? Kind of, the one that got kind of stabbed by all the people, and okay, okay. All right, so Augustus was his adopted great-nephew who rose to uh, become the emperor of the Roman Empire, and, and with that uh, came what they called the Pax Romana, or Roman peace. Now, this was important because the, for 200-something years, People believed that because of Augustus and what he put in place through strategies and systems, it made it so that he brought peace. He brought a kingdom of peace, and therefore they associated the gospel with Augustus. You understand what I'm saying? So there was, there, go, uh, go to the next slide. There was a pre-end calendar, which would have been like Western, modern-day Turkey, where it said the birthday of the god Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of the gospel, the euangelion, concerning him. In other words, they were saying when, when Augustus was born, that was the gospel. That was the good news because he's, he's brought peace. And this, this false sense of peace because they had new roads, they, they weren't fighting within the, within the nations, they, all these things that was going on that were good, they associated with Augustus. So it was called the gospel of Augustus. Now, here's the very unique fact of the Bible. In the gospel of Mark, when he's writing his version, um, he's writing to the Romans, the ones who would have been saying Caesar is the gospel, like Augustus, yay, all, all the, the salvation, our Savior, Augustus, blah, blah, blah. Mark's writing to them, and look how he opens up. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it sounds just like what was written about Caesar. In other words, he's making this proclamation that I know you think that Caesar is the Savior because of this peace that we have in Rome, but let me tell you, it's actually Jesus who has come and brought peace and salvation, and it's not earthly and temporary, it's eternal. So you would have seen this immediate clash of, you know, the gospel of Rome versus the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Augustus versus the gospel of God. You would have seen this clash, but that was back then. We even have the same thing right now. And right now, we have like the Gospel of 267 opening, right? Right? Like, if you've been in Brownsburg and you have drove down 267 in the past year, you know how annoying it was to have to make that right turn and then make that left turn down Jefferson and then turn again and then turn again just to get on the other side of Brownsburg. So when they opened 267, it was good news. Everybody, like, they even had a ribbon cutting for it. Like, who has a ribbon cutting for opening a street, right? That just shows you how much good news it was so that we could just go straight. But then the gospel of Yeros at BP gas station. Mom, who said that? Who said that? See, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. If you have not had a Yero at BP gas station, you don't know what you're missing. All right? You do not know what you are missing. The church should give me a budget just to take people and share the gospel of the Yero at BP gas station. It is that good. It is, it is that good. Um, and then we also have like the, the gospel of being preggers. Like, I don't know why I said preggers, but <laughs> at Church on the Rock, we have this unique thing going on in the water. I don't know what's going on, but people stay pregnant here. Like, Every month, somebody's popping up, like, hey, I'm pregnant, hey, yay, I'm pregnant. And it's good news when they come and tell you, hey, we're pregnant, and every month we have another pregnancy, and it's like, hey, that's good news, right? But, but all of these can be called gospels. 
all of them are good news. Every single last one of them is, is good news. They open up 267, they're heroes of the bomb.com, and, and people getting pregnant, you're like, yay, it's good news. But each one of these um, 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 are in our context, just like the Pax Romana or the Gospel of Augustus Caesar was in their context, okay? So you see the similarities, right? Uh, when Paul's writing, they have other gospels that would have been on their mind, other good news that they would have compared it to. And even today, we have other things that we call good news. We have a lot of things that we call good news. So this is what we're going to wrestle with today. This is what we're going like, like, to like just really get down into and see if we can establish what makes the gospel of God different from uh, all these other things that we call the gospel. So going to my next slide, um, now we want to talk about we know what the gospel is. It just means good news, right? But this right here, this of God part, this is vital. Like, if you got your Bibles, like, highlight, circle, square, do all that stuff around that part, because this is what we call the genitive case noun. Now, quick English lesson. The genitive case expresses the relationship between nouns. It's most commonly used for showing possession or close association. Rashad, I don't, I, I, I ain't been in high school for years. What's the point in all of that? Why are you telling us that this morning? Well, this is how it looks. Church on the Rock, Baptist of Brownsburg. Of Brownsburg would be the genitive case. In other words, there's many church on the rocks. There's a gazillion, look like, type in church on the rock. There's probably one in every single state. So the genitive case noun here of Brownsburg shows who we belong to or the possession of what church on the rock this is. It's the one of Brownsburg, right? So when you see the gospel of God, it's showing who it belongs to, the gospel of God. You'll also see the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll also see the, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul. And if you share the gospel, then there's even a gospel of you. There's even a gospel of you. So what happens is this. You want to see that, um, go to the next slide for me, Brent. The gospel of God is talking about the giver of the gospel, all right? So when we say the gospel of God, he's the one who, who put this all in place, and he's the one who's given the gospel. He's the one who sent his son. He's the one, like, it's all because of him. He's the deliverer of this, the giver of the gospel. When we say the gospel of Jesus Christ, yes, he preached it, but Jesus Christ is the subject of the gospel, right? Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of the gospel. And when we say the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, and you, it's the human proclaimers of the gospel. So this creates a problem, right? We know the gospel of God is going to match the gospel of Christ because they are one and the same. But how do we know when we are hearing the gospel of God from a human translator or a transmitter or from a human proclaimer? Like when you're listening to your YouTube or at another church or whatever, how do you know you're hearing the gospel of God versus any other gospel that is out there? Well, we have to have necessary evidence that we see. And that's what all of this is going to build up to. That's what this entire thing is about. It's like showing you what must be true for it to be truly the gospel of God. All right? That's a lot of information, I know. I'm trying to give you a quick pause. All right? Halftime? Break? All right, here we go. <laughs> all right, so going forward, uh, keep going, keep going for me. So this is what I want you to see. If the gospel or good news is based on your circumstances, your surroundings, or your situations, it cannot be the gospel of God because it can change. This is, one, this is a necessary evidence. If the gospel that you believe in or the gospel you preach or the gospel you're hearing from anybody else is based on surroundings, circumstances, or situations, it cannot be the gospel of God. God. It can change. That's not good news at all. I was, um, me and Clinton were gone last week. I had to do a wedding and had to DJ the reception. And it was in North Carolina with all these mountains and, and like crazy mountains and curves. And I don't like driving at night. I don't like driving mountains. I don't like driving out the state. And I had to do all three. Now, now <laughs> when we were at this reception, uh, the reception went great. Like, we, man, we had them dancing all night. Uh, they, they paid us, and, like, everything went great. And our Airbnb was only, like, Josh, literally half a mile away from the reception. So that was even better news. Like, like hey, not only 
Uh, did we get paid? And it went well, but we only got to go half a mile to get there, Tyson. So, like, I'm not scared of that. I can drive half a mile with my brights on. That's no big deal, right? And when we got in the car, we were high-fiving. Like, you know, I ain't going to say we were high-fiving, but we were like, yeah, yeah, this, that was great. It went amazing, whatever. Let's get home. And it's just all good news. And I was like, as I was pulling out, I said, Clinton, I don't know if I got the Airbnb, um, the key. I don't, know if, like, I don't know where I put the key. So Clinton started looking for the key, and I pulled out. And I was still cool because we only got half a mile to go. But I like, saw a cop about to pull out, and I was like, oh, we're like the only black people in this part of <laughs> North Carolina not comfortable right now. So I'm like a little bit tense, and we went right past our entrance. And, and before I knew it, Clinton kind of looked up and was like, man, we should have been there by now. And I'm like, yeah, we should have been there by now. And we're going up this mountain and down this mountain and all through these turns. It's pitch black. There's no street lights. And all of a sudden, I'm getting really in my feelings, right? And, and there's no place to turn. There's a car right behind us. And Clinton's like, bro, I, oh, I see an opening. Make a left right there. So I made the left. I pulled in. And this neighborhood, it, the street that goes into the neighborhood is on a 90-degree angle up. And there's no street lights, and, I'm, and we just keep going up, and we just keep going up, and we just keep going up to the point that I was like, I can't do it no more. I just can't do this. And I stopped and put the car in park, all right? And said, and I've already confessed. I've already asked for forgiveness. But I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said every word in the book and hit the, the steering wheel and, and Clinton said he was legit scared. He's like, that's the first time I've ever been scared of my pastor, right? I, I, I lost it. I lost it. And I'm, and I'm saying that because of this. Then how was the reception good news? Because it changed as soon as my circumstances and my situation changed, right? Anything that's based on your circumstances, your surrounding and your situation that you're considering good news can and will be changed. It's not good news at all. Therefore, it's not the good news of God. So if you're associating the gospel with an awesome church family, well, what happens when that church family burns you, steps on your toes and bites you and all that stuff, huh? What, what happens then? Does the gospel change? Or are you all of a sudden, oh, I don't know if the gospel's that good, and I don't know if I believe in this God. Well, then it was never the gospel to begin with. And what, what if your financial situation changes, right? Like, oh, God is good in the gospel, and yes, in the gospel, in the gospel, good news, good news. And now I didn't lost my job, and I'm broke, and I got to leave. I got to go from a house to an apartment, and I got, uh, well, then it wasn't good news to begin with because it changed. So how's that the gospel? And this is what they, this is what they give you. Like, you go to these churches not knowing that, and they're teaching you this. They're teaching you about how your best life is right now. You deserve X, Y, Z, and all. This is what they're teaching you, and you eating it up. Oh, boy, you eating it up. You like, I got a big old bowl, right? You just eating it up. And then when it fails you, you blame God for believing something he never said. They won't tell you that the Bible promises persecution. No, they won't tell you that because you might not come back. Instead, they want to tickle your ears, feed you that Kool-Aid, feel good, feel good, feel good, until you don't feel good, and then they ain't got no answers for you. They want to blame you. Well, maybe it's because you sleeping around. you like sleeping around. I ain't even got a man. That's why I was here, because I ain't got a man. You don't know what the necessary evidence you should be looking for is. If it has to do with your situations, your surroundings, or your circumstances, circumstances it is not the gospel at all. Next up. If the gospel or good news is based on someone or something other than Christ, then it cannot be the good news or the gospel of God because it can change. So if your gospel is based on me, a lot of people put a pastor in a very unfortunate platform of, well, because my pastor, blah, 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 I believe. Okay, what happens when I fail or when I don't show up to something or when I don't come through or when, Lord forbid, I have a, a mishap happen. Well, then all of a sudden, you don't believe in the gospel no more because that pastor failed you. Well, it shouldn't have been based on that pastor to begin with. It should only be based on Christ. What happens when your 5'9 group person uh, uh, rubs you the wrong way? You just quit? You just quit church and you quit people because you've gotten to it with another church member? It shouldn't have been based on that person. You see what I'm saying? We had, we had good news the morning we woke up after reception. So we, so we made it home safely, everybody. Okay, we made it back to our Airbnb safely. We woke up at 6.30, and I looked at the, the little GPS, and it said, eight hours we'll be home. That's good news. Call my wife. Hey, honey, we're going to be home in eight hours. That's good news, right? And we started traveling, and then we hit a traffic jam. And the traffic jam set us back an hour and a half. 
That good news got changed really quick. That's another hour and a half. So it was based on something else. And then as we're driving a little bit further, my passenger, Clinton, has the bladder of a chihuahua. <laughs> so we stopping every, every place that we can stop, and it added like another two hours. So, so the good news of getting home in eight hours was based on people and things being in place, and all of a sudden, Clinton is, is like in control of my good news. You see that? How does that work? And this is what happens. Like, people fall out of marriage. People lose people. People, all, all these different things happen. And they're like, oh, this gospel can't be good because, and they base it on a person or a thing or a situation. And it's like, well, then that can't be the good news of God. It cannot be the good news of God because God cannot change. Go to my next one. The gospel of God, I mean, excuse me, the gospel of good news of God must always be good news because God cannot change. If God cannot change, his news cannot change. Remember, if God fails to be faithful, he fails to be God. So no matter what you're going through, the gospel is still good news. That's one thing you have to look for. When people are preaching and teaching to you, and they're telling you things that, that can change about the gospel, then be like, man, you false prophet. Like, you a false teacher, you a false pastor, you a false something, because that can change. <laughs> so there ain't nothing good about anything that can change period. We got a couple of verses to look at real quick. God, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? And this, he's like, if God says it, that seals it. If God says something's going to happen, guess what? It's going down, all right? If God says it's going down, it's going down. So when they be telling you, hey, if you do this, or they'll say this, uh, God put it in my heart to tell you that within the next week you're going to get this job that is just amazing and blah, 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 and then it don't happen. That, that's a false teacher. Why are you still following him on YouTube? That's a false teacher. Like, oh, or anybody that's like, oh, the end is tomorrow and blah, 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 and then we wake up two days later. That's a false teacher. He missed. He missed. He can't be of God because God doesn't miss you got to be careful with that. Next, the next verse we have, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, if, so, so check this out. If the gospel of Jesus Christ, if the subject of the gospel is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ can't change, then the gospel cannot change because he doesn't change. So, so anybody else that you put in place of Christ is going to change, is going to fail you. I know she looks good today, but she's going to get older, okay? She's going to get older. And, and I, I know he's this and he's that, but he's going to fail you eventually. Don't place your faith in that. Place your faith in Christ. Christ ain't going to change. It's that simple, right? All right, so then James 1.17. Every good thing, the gospel's good news, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, God, with whom there's no variation, no change, and no shifting of shadows. God cannot change. So the gospel has to always be good. Next up, look, um, another thing that you have to see with the gospel. If the gospel is only for a specific people group, excluding like believers, I'll talk about that in a second, then it cannot be the gospel or the good news of God because it, God's not partial. So if I was like, hey, white people, raise your hand. White people, raise your hand. You're saved and only you. It's only for you. Well, then that ain't good for me, right? Last time I checked, I mean... And if I was like, black people, wait, raise your hand. And all black people raise their hand, I was like, the gospel's just for you. Then I ain't good for the majority of y'all in here, right? So it can't be specific to a people group. If I said, hey, old people, raise your hand. Or young people, raise your hand. Like if I went with anything, Democrats, Republicans, don't do it. Don't do it because y'all know how that goes. But don't do that, right? But if I, if I associated with any people group, then it cannot be the good news. It cannot be the good news because it's only for a specific people group. Peter, who was racist, let me remind you, Peter was racist. He did not like Gentiles. He did not want to go and evangelize or preach the gospel to Cornelius because he was a Gentile. Peter was racist. But after Peter went, as God commanded, and actually shared the gospel with Cornelius, look what happened. He opened his mouth. Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. In other words, I don't care your skin color, I don't care your age, your, your gender, I don't care about all that. It doesn't matter. It's for you too. And this is good news. 
This is great news because if you look at my background, if you look at my history, I don't deserve to go to heaven, period. I don't deserve a chance. I don't deserve access. I don't deserve the opportunity. I don't deserve it. And some of you in here who, who may think you like, well, I know Rashad's testimony. I'm not that bad. It don't matter. You ain't no better than me either. And this is amazing. This is, this is, this is such good news. Go to the next slide. This is such good news because even the bad news is good news. We got this thing in Christianity. We say, hey, the gospel starts off with, the good news starts with the bad news. Like, that's what we say. But I'm going to tell you, all the gospel has to be good. So this is the bad news. All of us are sinners. We say that's the bad news. But I'm trying to tell you, that's the good news. Why? Because in a country where we have African-American slavery as a, as a part of our history, you have the, African, the African, uh, African-American community say, hey, it feels like, seems like, maybe even true, that the white man had a 400-year head start because we were slaves for 400 years. It's no different than when you come into Brownsburg as a sophomore or junior to make the basketball team, but you ain't got the name of the people who've been here since day one, so you might not make the team because they had a head start. And and just keep going, just keep going. In every area of life, somebody has seniority or has a head start. How many people in here have been saved for at least 10 years as believers? Okay, okay. And how many people just recently in the last two or three? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, check this out. All of you going to hell without Christ. You see that? Nobody has a head start. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. How long you've been going to church, how much you do, you take Christ out the equation, you're going to hell. Period. So at this moment, this is good news. Why? Because the alcoholic, all right, the drug dealer, the the adulterer, the one who didn't take care of his kid, the deadbeat father, has the same access to the kingdom as the one who ain't never done wrong in their life according to world standards. It doesn't matter. We're equal. We're the same. And that's good news. It's good news because the rest of the world looks at me or looks at you and says, you don't deserve. You shouldn't be able to. But God looks at me and says, "Mm, all of you don't deserve. All of you shouldn't be able to. He's a holy God. He's a just God. So how can he pardon your filthiness so that you can be and dwell with him. Like, just because God is loving, he can't sacrifice being just and holy because he's loving. People go, a loving God wouldn't, <laughs> a loving God wouldn't let nobody go to hell. But a just God has to. A holy God has to. So just because he's loving, he still has to be just. It has to be holy. Well, then what can we do? Because there's nothing we can do to earn our way to heaven. We read the Old Testament. I looked at all the commandments. I can't make it. I don't have what it takes. I wake up and I sin on accident, right? So what has to happen? Insert Jesus Christ. The good news. The good news that he did it for me. For me. And if you look at that, there's nothing That includes me or my efforts in the equation. I received the free gift of salvation. I don't earn it. I don't come with a report card. Hey, bless me with salvation. I don't say, hey, if I I read my Bible enough, then will you save me? No, 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 no. I simply believe in what his son did on the cross to secure my salvation. And in that point, it changes your life. Your entire life. Because now, I don't care who comes up in this church. I don't care. I used to be that guy that's like, man, if I'm preaching today and Pastor so-and-so walks in, I better make sure I'm on point and make sure I got my suit on and because he might just... I don't care about Pastor so-and-so no more. You see what I'm saying? Like, like part of the reason we're scared to share the gospel is because we're scared of what people think. But that means you don't understand the gospel. But on the flip side, those of you who look at folks when they walk in and, mm, what has he got on? Look at those tattoos. What has she got on? Blah, 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 blah. You've missed the whole point of the gospel. 
The whole point is that they can walk in there looking like whatever and Christ will change them. Christ will have his way. You've completely missed it. So, so this is what we're looking for. Something that's not partial, something that doesn't change. If that's not included in what you're hearing or what you're sharing, then it's not the gospel. And Paul says if even a, a little bit, if it's 99.9% right, it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. It has to be spot on. So with that, I have these, I have these rock responses I want you to take with you right here. Rock response number one, proclaiming the gospel is proof that I believe in the gospel. If you're not sharing the gospel, then you're kind of showing us what you believe. Like, think about it. Think about it. I go see a good movie. I get on Facebook. I tell everybody it was a good movie, right? I go eat some good food. I get on Yelp. I tell everybody it was some good food, right? And, and I got some new shoes. Hey, look at my new shoes. The, like, I share and advertise everything in my life. So do you, except the gospel. Because I'm worried about what people might think. I wouldn't worry about what they might think when I went to go see that movie. Or when I told them about that new song. Or what, you see what I'm saying? You see how that doesn't even add up? If you believe in the gospel, why would you not share it? Especially if you understand that it is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation. So if we're sitting around talking about we love people, but we're so worried about them isolating us and not wanting nothing to do with us, that we're not going to share the, the, the power of God for salvation with them? How's that love? That's hate. I know you're going to burn when this is all said and done. I'm just going to let you do it, though, so we can stay friends here on earth. What, how, what kind of sense does that make? What kind of sense does that make? Rock response number two. Look at this. The only gospel that is truly good news is the gospel of God. Every other thing that is good news in your life right now, like seriously, think, think through this real quick. Name something that's good news in your life right now to yourself. It can be changed. It can be taken. It can be destroyed. It can die. It can, it, it, you know, it can cheat. It can, like name something that's good news right now, and I guarantee you it can and will change. The only thing that will not change is the gospel of God. It's the only thing that will not change. I don't care how much money you make right now. I don't, care what, I don't care what businesses you own. I don't care how happy your marriage is. I don't care how great your kids are. All that stuff can change. All of it can change. The only thing that cannot change is the gospel of God. The only true good news is the good news of God. Rock response number three. The gospel of God is more than just eternal life. It is life. This is where 1 Corinthians 15, and this, I'm closing out now. Worship team, start to work your way up. I'm closing out now. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But look at this. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, death can't even change the gospel of God. Death has no power over the gospel of God. There's no sting. There's no victory. You can't, there's nobody here on earth and nothing here on earth that can change the gospel of God. So I placed everything in that because that's what I want, something secure. So this is my challenge to you as a, those of you who don't quite believe yet. Maybe you're thinking for whatever reasons, I don't want to have to get myself together. I don't want to stop the drinking yet. I don't want to stop sleeping with the people yet. I don't want to have to do all these things. I'm telling you, come as you are. I didn't, I didn't stop anything when I came to Christ. I just started. <laughs> This is, this is what we're calling and crying out to you. The good news is you don't have to change those things. He's going to change those things. Come as you are. You ain't going to stay as you are. Trust me. We want you walking through that door exactly where you're at. Exactly where you're at. I don't want you to change nothing. Come on through them doors. And, and, and here's the thing. Don't worry about what the people in here thinking about you. Because guess what? They need Christ too. And if they're judging you, they're just showing you how much more they need them. So this is what, this is what I'm calling on you to do. This is, this is what we're calling for. We're calling for you to respond to the gospel, the good news. Respond to the message of Jesus Christ dying for your sins so that you can have eternity with him. And those of you who are believers, if you don't have the get up the, the, to just want to run through a wall, shame on you. You have good news 
to share. You have good news to go and, and share with your loved ones and your coworkers and your neighbors and all that, and you're just sitting around content with you being the only one going to heaven in your circle? Save people, save people. Those going to heaven don't want to go alone. So we share the gospel. So as we get ready to sing this song, Come As You Are, please let those words hit you. This is what changes life. I can associate with anybody in this room and feel completely comfortable because it's just, this is just who I am. And if it's not good enough for you, that's cool. The gospel says it's good enough for God. And that's what changes life, not just eternal life, but right here, the kingdom is at hand. So if you would please stand and sing with us.
I could feel his presence. I could feel it. I could feel people reflecting on their lives right now. I'm just thinking about their situations, their failures, falling short, how they've let each other down, maybe even let God down in a sense. And he still says, lay down your burdens. Quit holding on to that. Come as you are. It was never about the clothes you wear. (laughs) It was always about the sins you wear. To just come with all of your brokenness to a father who loved you so much and knew that you could never be just and holy before him, so he sent his son to die for you. This is the gospel I surrender to. I pray this morning this is the gospel that you surrender to. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning uh, just for being able to come as we are. Father, someone like myself who who actually believed that you existed, but because of all of my failures, I thought the only option for me was hell, Father, until I heard about your good news. Father, I'm asking that somebody else here is liberated with that. Somebody else here is just overjoyed with the fact that Christ did come, Christ did die. He was buried and he was resurrected. And as he sits on the right hand of you, that when we believe in him, Father, we have access to your presence and we will be satisfied with that. I'm asking that the hearts and the the ears that are under the sound of my voice right now will never allow somebody to speak some false gospel to them that can be changed, that can be taken away, but that they may only believe in the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I thank you and I praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.